Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And welcome to The Advertising Show, uh, being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production with a special guest today. I call him a special guest. Oh, yeah. Out of uh, Framingham, Massachusetts, uh, which is just happens to be where Staples is also located. Yeah. Isn't that special? His name is uh, Todd Peters, Vice President of Brand Management at Staples. We will uh, be talking to him uh, this hour and uh, next hour as well. Also, a lot of good stuff coming your way. Just a few moments, we've got Joe Jaffe, a different perspective, uh, talking about something that uh, bothers agencies but sometimes is still necessary, and that is going direct to the client. Sometimes you don't want to be... uh, doing it, uh, you know, a backhanded type thing, but you want it to be uh, legitimate and up, uh, up front and everything. Uh, and he's going to talk about that. Hmm. Let's see. Patrick Myers, Sex, Lies, and Advertising. That should be good. Hmm. Uh, Jeffrey Gittimer is going to talk to us this hour about how to be naturally funny. Okay? There's are two very important words. Naturally funny. Andy Borowitz as well. Uh, next hour. And uh, the Wacky World of Marketing. A whole bunch of good stuff, too. And uh, a little bit later on this hour, it's... Unfortunately, bad advertising. Mm-hmm. Haven't had a bad in a while. No, but it's good. No, it is that good. We have a bad. True. Yes, wonderful. Hey, you know, I brought something today. Yes, you did. Hold on, let me get it. It's okay. your Christmas gift. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, it looks like uh, you like this brand. This is a good brand. And what is the brand? Callaway. Right. Yes. And there's what? A new set of Callaway irons. No, two yeah. golf balls. Two golf balls, and they are the way. Are I, they edible or something? No, they're, <laughs> they're, they're real, real golf balls. They're real golf balls. How cool! And uh, you know the way I, I don't, I'm not a golfer, and I like it that way. And that way, I you know, don't. We have, can't really talk you into getting out on the course. Well, you don't have to worry about me. You know, tying up your tee times whenever you want. Uh, I'm not there, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm on what. If I do go golfing, I'm in what's called the 19th hole. <laughs> which is the bar at we the uh, clubhouse. Exactly, exactly. But uh, the way I hear that you go through these golf balls at mm-hmm. the ponds and the various lakes and other sure. areas. Yeah, except when they're frozen. <laughs> That's true. That, uh, that for some reason, this is a number one and a number two. I don't know what that means. It's just to identify the balls. Oh, is that what it is? That's all, yes. And then, well, how uh, sweet. Yeah. So, and uh, let's see, what's it say here? Warbird. 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 Okay. Very is, good. Is that a brand name? or? A well, particular? it's the Callaway. That's the brand of the Callaway ball. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. Anyway, nice. don't lose those because I got those for free at an event the other day. I'll just, I'll just putt with them then. Yeah. <laughs> well, and maybe if you use these long enough and you mention Callaway on the air often enough. They'll send me the set of irons that I want? That's what I'm thinking. Okay, good. That's very good. Yeah. I like that thing. And if your much. wife, uh, Kathy's listening, yes. is there any particular type of iron that you're wanting from Callaway? The ones that cost $1,700. That's a good way to identify them. Okay. <laughs> Not on sale. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine they discount their products. No. Yeah. No. They don't have no. to. You won't find them at Staples either. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I wonder if at home office at Staples they don't use the intercom and they do like the announcement over the over the PA system. Todd, you have a call, line one. Todd, line one. <laughs> I wonder if Todd stop, shops at Home Depot or something like that. You know, he's not allowed in any depot-type store. That's true. Oh, he has he, a dog named Max. He can't wait. Office Max. <laughs> and his name, and the name is Dog yeah. Staple, <laughs> which is good. You know, we have Minute Maid Park here. They have Staples. Staples just, Center. It's just got Staples. Oh. We got Minute Maid Park. 
<laughs> yeah. Why couldn't we have something, you know, like uh, what, what could we possibly have be, be better? Well, and most people do not tie in the Enron? fact that, no, that no, uh, no. Coke Foods uh, has a division right. or Coke Foods uh, home office is here in our home market of Houston. Coke Park wouldn't be a good idea, though. Yeah, and one of the products is Minute made <laughs> orange juice, and that's how it ties in because you probably think how many orange trees are there in Southern Texas, so I don't know Texas. many. We, we yeah. got to get to Joe Jaffe here on the yep. advertising show. If you dare to risk seeing the world from a new point of view, join us now for a different perspective, featuring author and new marketing consultant Joseph Jaffe. One of the biggest areas of contention between publishers or sellers and agency folk or buyers is this notion of going direct to the client. It is the number one pet peeve of all agency folk. And it's also the number one frustration of publishers who so desperately want to be able to get their product or service in front of a client but feel that the agency acts as a stumbling block or barrier or obstacle to do so. In the field of new marketing, there are so many new ideas and propositions, technologies, new exciting ways to ultimately break through the clutter. Agencies are absolutely obligated to make sure that they give these new products, these solutions, these services, the time of day and enough consideration to make an informed judgment or decision or give an informed opinion to the client. And if they're not doing that, if they refuse to embrace new choices and change, well, I give publishers complete permission to go directly to the client. Start off with the agency. But if they're not embracing change, it's time to be a little bit more direct if you get my drift. This has been A Different Perspective, featuring Joseph Jaffe, president of new marketing consulting practice Jaffe LLC and author of Life After the 30-Second Spot. To learn more, log on to getthejuice.com. It's the advertising show, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. I wanted to make uh, sure that we had time to get this whole feature in there mm-hmm. before the. Uh, so we got a little bit of time. We do. Over here. Uh, Bob Garfield. Now, yeah. normally we would have Bob Garfield on about, about this time. Of Rough the and tough Bob Garfield. Yeah, we usually have him on for a year end show. Yeah, so maybe we can think about that. But yeah. he's, he's got something. He apparently did a, um, oh, what was it, a presentation at the LA, the Pittenger Student Center. Uh, this past week, mm-hmm. National Public Radio host, and of course, uh, with uh, uh, what, what's his title at the? Uh, He's, it's uh, uh, ad critic uh, or whatever. Journalist, yeah. uh, we'll call him a journalist. Yeah. At Advertising Age magazine, and he says that media will be extinct soon, and uh, that it's all headed toward uh, toward uh, new forms of media. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you're not on the uh, if you're not on the bandwagon to uh, to get through this, what he calls a chaos scenario. Uh, you're in deep trouble. So anyway, he, yeah. he was uh, he was talking about that. You can find out more about that. That was actually where did I where did I pick that up from? Uh, it doesn't say here. I think it was stuck to your heel when you came back from the bathroom. Oh yeah, there it is. There it is. It was right there. Actually, he did a he did a chaos there. Uh, chaos, whatever. It's in adage.com. Go there, huh? Okay, that's a yeah. good place. Or if you'd like to go to theadvertisingshow.com, that'd be fine as well. Yeah. It's uh, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and we're about to join in conversation with uh, Todd Peters, who is Vice President of Brand Management at Staples. And we'll be back in uh, just a moment, and a whole lot more as well. So stick around.
You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. I love Bosco. It's rich in chocolate tea. Chocolate-flavored Bosco is mighty good for me. Mama puts it in my milk for extra energy. Bosco gives me iron and sunshine vitamin D. Oh, I love On the advertising Bosco. show, it's <clears throat> Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Must be winter. I got that stuff in my throat there, right? And, and the Bosco. <clears throat> but a good cup of Bosco is a good thing to have this yeah. time of the year. And uh, we are back, and as promised, we have Todd Peters. Uh, actually, uh, this past week, uh, Todd was in Pasadena. Uh, Todd, I believe, are you going to be home this weekend in, uh, in Framingham, right? Absolutely. Okay, good. Now, we have that settled. We're good to go with plane reservations and everything. Todd Peters is Vice President of Brand Management of uh, Staples. Uh, Todd joined Staples in early 2004. His team responsible for the uh, continued strategic uh, development and positioning of the Staples brand. Uh, prior to leading the Staples brand management team, Todd was responsible for setting global brand strategy at Intel, good place too. Todd started his career on the agency side, worked on the uh, blue chip brands like Saturn, Sprint, PCS, and the Briscoe. And uh, there you uh, the, there you are at Staples. For today's interview, we have pushed the easy button. Okay? So good, this is... Good job. <laughs> thank you very yeah. much. So, Todd, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you here. Thanks. It's really nice to be here, too. Yeah, and uh, welcome to the show. I wanted to ask you, you know, Ray mentioned that you've worked both on the, uh, well, previously on the agency side and certainly on the client side. I'm curious, has... has has the agency background, now that you're on the client side, benefited you in any way, or are you just really a pain-in-the-butt type client that agency people love to hate? I mean, you'd come probably, on. You probably have to ask uh, our my agency <laughs> teams uh, their opinion of that. The feedback they give me is is positive because they, they believe I have a degree of empathy, and they know that I've walked in their shoes before. So I, I, I also have such familiarity with agencies and the way they work and their processes that they feel like they don't have to spend a lot of time explaining stuff to me. So I think the net-net um, for both companies, it's, it's been kind of an advantage to have, have that, that experience. I would imagine that you know when you're uh, lacking service or you know the ins and outs because most, most clients uh, remain on the client side and, and typically uh, have little to no agency experience only from their own perspective. So I think it's unusual that you uh, bring bring that to the fold here, and I, I know that uh, Staples must be the, the beneficiary of that. Talk, talk us, uh, to us, if you would, uh, Todd, about the uh, uh, Staples global brand positioning. How, how would you describe that? Yeah, we're, we're really working on, on the global positioning. We're really, we, we break it down to North American, and what we've found through kind of extensive research is that our customers felt no one was making it easy for them to buy, shop and buy office products. And we thought, and this was really kind of steeped in the heritage of the company, we thought, well, that's something that is very consistent with our corporate values and the way we'd like to treat our customers. And that's really how we determined that the easy brand positioning, if you will, was going to be a very sweet spot for our brand. And we've probably been on it for about two years now. And so, uh, you know, it's no secret. I think anyone would guess your your major competitors, I would I would think, would be uh, Office Depot and Office Max. And uh, how, how would you differentiate uh, your positioning and your brand strategy from what you uh, what your competitors are out there doing? Yeah, I think what what has happened with our competitors is they haven't stayed on the same track for very long. So one thing we have is continuity, and, and from a branding standpoint, I think that's that's an advantage in and of itself because it takes really you know a long time for your brand positioning. People aren't just waiting and comparing what is Staples doing and what is Depot doing. Um, it doesn't work that way. We, we really command a very small piece of their mental bandwidth, so we have to be completely focused on it and be completely consistent. The other thing is 
once you have kind of a brand strategy like Easy, I can work with the operational people. I can work with the supply chain people. I can work with uh, our floor associates, which we do a ton, to make sure we're delivering on that experience. So a lot of people think of brand management and say, okay, we'll call the agency and make a new ad. Um, and really that hasn't been what we're doing. We're trying to operationalize it. We're trying to get our associates really focused and understanding what's expected of them. And then we really want to make it experiential for our customers. I'm not quite sure that Depot and Max are, are on the same page there. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, just the fact that you understand the brand experience as opposed to just branding one's uh, product or services, you know, obviously your background in the agency world uh, gives you that that benefit and that perspective. You know, you, your uh, former slogan, uh, yeah, we've got that, which I guess is, I'm guessing, is a uh, uh, signifying your wide selection of products. Right. Uh, that was retired back in uh, 03, as I recall. How long did you uh, did you guys uh, rest on that particular slogan? I, I don't know. It predates me. I think they were on it for a couple of years, but I think there was a fundamental shift in the marketplace where selection, which we still is still kind of an important driver, but it's too narrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a driver from our customer's point of view, um, selection became less of an issue as you have people like Target and Walmart and the mask guys getting into the getting into the same business. And you replaced that uh, slogan with "That was easy." I, I take it, and that was your. Uh, that's more of uh, an experience, as you were you were talking earlier, as opposed to just uh, product selection. Talk a little bit how you arrived at that new slogan. Um, the slogan we naturally started, and I think oftentimes too, we make this mistake of thinking if we just had a great tagline, you know, all these problems would go away. But mm-hmm. we, what we really did was nail the strategy. And, and from the strategy, everything like the tagline should fall out of it. Um, when we looked at Easy, and we tried a lot of different ones, and we had probably 20 or 30 different lines, and we bumped it up against our positioning statement, that one was the clearest, the simple, and we think it's reflective of what we hoped the customer would be feeling after they interacted with our brand. Well, again, it's about an experience, a brand experience, an experience with your brand, uh, and, and certainly is from the consumer's uh, perspective, hopefully, what they do experience when they go to a Staples. Uh, with regard to continuity, I guess, you know, since you're there now and you have that slogan, uh, we'll see if uh, you guys uh, do maintain your continuity with the new slogan. I thought it was... Uh, an interesting change. Were you the one that precipitated the change? No, the, the change, the, the change so that was easy predated me by uh, probably six months. Mm-hmm. Um, the easy button is where I was involved in, in the origination of the idea. So your point on, on continuity, I, I think what also happens is, is the companies get bored of their own positioning. And, and yeah. they think, well, yeah, well, they, they feel that they're high drive companies and they're they're very focused and 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 very uh, energetic, and they just feel like, well, that idea has been around for two years, but when we look at the data, it's hard to get that idea really lodged into your customer's mind. So, so I, I intend as, as as much as I can influence to to help keep Staples kind of on that track. I believe it has has some real longevity. Well, I mean, it's no secret. Look at the the major brands out there that uh, that are well-known brands among consumers, uh, GE, uh, Nike, and others. They all rest on a particular slogan and have for decades. We were fortunate to have Phil Dusenberry, uh, the creator of GE's slogan, which is what, Ray? We bring... Well, now it's imagination. Well, the old one. We bring good things to life. Yeah. 
right. situation. Right. They had to change uh, to the new one because Phil left, and, you know, whenever Phil leaves, and you got <laughs> you got to show that you've come up with a new idea. But, I'm wondering if Phil owned that stuff. <laughs> well, but, you know, it's a good example that, uh, you know, consistency, and, and as you point out, Todd, uh, clients do grow tired because they're so close to what they are creating or have been created uh, by their agencies and, and their uh, – uh, there's a tendency to not be objective about the, the, how much attention the consumer is paying to your advertising and marketing versus how much attention the internal uh, folks are giving it. So we'll hold all those wonderful questions, in particular a question about Internet uh, and the role it plays with Staples, and we'll hold that till next That's uh, a good second. thing. Yep. And they have Staples there, right? Don't they, they do. I think they do. Yep. Mm-hmm. Our special guest? Very successful uh, .com catalog delivery business. And it's growing, uh, growing at a, a very interesting rate. Let's uh, let's talk about that here in just a minute, Todd. <clears throat> it's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. I want to invite you to go to our website. It is theadvertisingshow.com. A lot of great stuff happening there with podcasts, RSS feeds, and a whole bunch more as well. There's a lot to come on the Advertising Show. In between your shopping, we're glad you're listening this weekend. Todd Peters, Vice President, Brand Management of Staples, along with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. I'm back in just a minute. Quick Takes on Sales and Customer Relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. If you've ever heard somebody say, boy, that guy's just naturally funny, he's probably also an extremely intelligent human being. If you ever learn a foreign language, the very last thing you do is learn the humor. The hardest thing to do in any foreign language is make a joke. Humor is the most difficult of nuances to master, but when you do, you have the basis for solid intellectual rapport and solid intellectual engagement. Now, note well, not every prospect requires or desires humor. You can tell who they are right away. They're the ones that never laugh at anything. The best thing to do when this scenario occurs is eliminate humor from your sales presentation, and pray the guy's not a price buyer. In my experience, though, he probably is. People who just want to get down to brass tacks are usually people who just want to get down to brass prices. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Another public service announcement from Brill Cream. Men, beware. Use one dab of Brill Cream. Just a little dab makes your hair look excitingly clean, disturbingly healthy. This man dared to use two dabs. Now he's in trouble. We refuse to be responsible. Brill Cream. Brill Cream. Brill Cream. Brill Cream. Brill cream. 
Well, there, once again, there's a great storyline and a classy jingle for the end of the spot for Brill Cream, mm-hmm. the advertising show. Ray Schillen's Brad Forsyth. Little known fact about Todd Peters. Little Todd uh, Peters used to sit on his dad's lap at mm-hmm. J. Walter Thompson many right. years ago and say, Dad, you know, I really would love to be in this business. Mm-hmm. And Dad said, I'll speak to somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the show. Todd Peters, Vice President of Brand Management at uh, Staples. Yeah, welcome back, uh, Todd. And by the way, back in those days, he said, I'll talk to Walt about that. Walt, I yeah. mean, it was that old, uh, that, that many years ago. Hey, uh, Todd, before we jump into Internet-based yeah. questions, let's let's give our audience a little sense of uh, core core customers for Staples. Describe uh, describe who your customers are. You know, our, our core customers, we, we really look at them in two segments. They're the home office segment, and that represents about 50%. And those are people that spend a couple hundred, three, four, or five hundred dollars a year on office supplies. And then, um, this is for retail, actually. And then we have uh, small business customers um, who are obviously running a small business, and, and those range in sizes from two to seven or nine, 11 people. And they generally have a person that's responsible for doing the procurement. Um, so that would be our target on, on the small business side of it. And then you say 50% on home office. Does that mean 50% on small business? That's correct. No no big business customers? No, we do have big business customers in our contract. We have a contract division. So the division, I just, what I just described, is really for U.S. retail. Mm-hmm. As you get a little bit bigger, that's where we find people using catalogs and the Internet, bigger companies, um, which the break is around 20 employees, maybe 20 to 50. And then we have some huge customers and clients um, like Bank of America, and we have a contract division that, that sells to them. So when Bank of America calls, there's a guy that says, Hello, Judy. <laughs> I imagine they have an 800 toll-free with a person assigned to their They have people assigned to their account, I'm well, sure. When you're that big, you get whatever you need. Yeah. Well, we won't get into what they ask of you, Todd. Okay. Uh, y- y- before we get into talking about your Internet, describe or differentiate, if you will, for us how your uh, online customer uh, differs from your uh, traditional retail customer. Um, our online customer, which is a, an emerging channel for us, you know, I think they're driven by a couple things. One is their convenience, and they just have a comfort level with shopping, and they tend to know exactly what they want. They're not browsing. Uh, they don't do as much impulse buying, and they tend to re- do repeat business of, of th- replenishables like ink and paper and things that they need to keep their, their business running. Mm-hmm. Well, it does, uh, do you find the percentages, uh, home office versus small business, to be reflective uh, as far as Internet traffic and purchases as it does in your retail? No, it skews more heavily towards small business, and, and that's great, but we do have a, a smaller segment is for the home office. Yeah. Is it we have free delivery, so that's attractive to everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody likes free, right? Absolutely. Is it fair to say Staples was a little slow in leveraging the Internet? Uh, I don't know. That, that also would probably predate me, but I do know... Uh, it's probably publicly disclosed. It's, it's over a billion dollars in revenue, mm-hmm. um, which is a pretty decent business. Right. Well, you know, the beauty about uh, working somewhere for only a few years is like, hey, don't mess with me. I wasn't here when they were yeah, screwing up in that area. That time, yeah. Yeah. That's true. I know we put a lot of effort <laughs> activating our brand in that area. Yeah. It's more complicated, but the orders have to be perfect. Um, they have to be there on time. And we have to make sure that we're providing the same level of service and meeting the expectations of those customers when they're on the Internet as well as when they're when in the store. So I kind of, as a corporate guy, I straddle both those camps. I work with the Internet team, uh, business delivery uh, business unit, and I work with the retail operations. Do, do you, does your Internet strategy follow uh, similar as your competitors, do you know? Uh, I haven't looked at our competitors too, too carefully. It, 
with Depot and Max, um, you know, I have to put this delicately, it, it's a little bit like looking in the rearview mirror. Um, mm-hmm. for, from a branding standpoint, um, our indicators show that we're, 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 we're creating some pretty significant space in between our brand and their brand. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other threats on the horizon that probably keep me up more at night than what Depot and Max are doing. Uh, the Internet is clearly uh, an emerging, it, 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 for us, I mean, I was at Intel, and that, that was really a, a, a media that they jumped into in full force very early on. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity, and we're finding new ways to, to uh, engage people with our brand and have them interact with our brand and um, having some fun with it. It's also just really strong for e-commerce. It's, it's a great transactional media. We tend to spend more on the transaction piece of it and search words than we do on brand building, but we still support some of our offline initiatives with, like The Apprentice with an a online component. Well, you mentioned Intel, and we've got a few minutes left here in this segment. What, how does it differ, your current uh, gig with uh, Staples and brand management versus uh, what you did for a large global branding uh, company for, like Intel? I think that, that was part of it was the complexity of managing a global brand. Um, we did have, and I spent two years in, in Germany, and I was running branding for Europe, Middle East, and Africa, so I understand what the geographies were like. Uh, but the complexity around the clock to make sure that the right information, the right strategies, the right research, the right advertising were always happening. It also was such a revered brand when I was there. Uh, the general kind of attitude was, don't screw it up. Mm-hmm. And as a branding guy, that was okay because yeah. I wanted to get that under my belt. It wasn't an opportunity to be as entrepreneurial as Staples. As Staples, Mike Miles is our chief operating officer, they, they want to grow the brand. Mm-hmm. There's no complacency saying don't screw it up. They, it is you grow the brand. They brought you in to mix it up a bit. It, it, and, and that's, uh, I think, uh, that's a lot of fun because mm-hmm. you get to do new things. Well, and for the record, Staples has been rated number one brand in overall popularity by USA Today Consumer Poll, Ray. And they were featured in Ed Week as uh, having some of the best uh, advertising of the decade. So what, not J.D. Power and Associates are not in there, too? We, we haven't got them yet, and they couldn't pay for that research anyway. <laughs> We've got Todd Peters on the line here from uh, from uh, Framingham, Massachusetts, this weekend on the Advertising Show. Todd is Vice President of Brand Management of Staples, and we'll have Todd back uh, with us next hour. Uh, I look forward to that, too. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. When cold is breath is getting down, just call on Robot Wine. Relief is back to all around, so call on Robot Wine. Here at the Advertising Show, we keep our bottle of Bromo Quinine handy, uh, especially this time of the year with all of the holiday parties and such, which... Uh, uh, you've been attending this past week mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, favorites, things that you really enjoyed at these parties? Well, m- basically uh, drinking uh, Perrier or a little soda with some uh, lime. Because when I do my serious drinking, mm-hmm. what do you want clients around for? <laughs> You're able to upset them and lose business, so you, <laughs> really? you know, try to take it easy. Okay, so yeah. enjoy your lime and Perrier. Now, the serious mm. stuff, you and I, you know, we go out back and, you know, Hammer them up and swing at fence posts and <laughs> cuss at uh, the sky and, and then shoot the beer cans at the end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it's you know, I, and plus you know there's so many drinking and driving issues and all that. It's just better to stay calm during the Absolutely. holidays. Yeah, very good. And then we have New Year's Eve coming up, which is what I like to call you know novice night <laughs> <laughs> compared to 
you know, the rest of the time. So, exactly. Yeah, exactly. lay low. I like this. Microsoft continues to be uh, much more than they were to begin with, okay? Mm-hmm. Now it seems as though Microsoft is more of a, I don't know, a giant media machine kind mm-hmm. of a thing. It says they're developing, <clears throat> this is important, a free online service that will let people list items for sale, uh, events and other classified type of information that can be shared with either groups of friends or anybody over the internet, and that was this past Tuesday that they mentioned that. That's kind of cool, huh? Yeah. Well, they're reacting. They're reacting to uh, Google, and they're concerned about Google, mm-hmm. as they should be. Yes. And uh, you know, I guess what you're describing there, Ray, is they're trying to, I guess, you know, what Craigslist is one that's done very well with listings of. Uh, things for sale and so forth. This is a direct competitor, really. Is that right? Yeah. Say that? Yeah. And then it's a little bit of eBay thrown in there with the buying and selling of goods. So, you know, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if uh, if Microsoft can... Uh, they seem to be in more of a reactionary uh, posture right now hmm. to Google and other companies because they're used to being the leader. But the importance of that, pro- the prominence of this thing mm-hmm. is the fact that now you're talking about Microsoft, right. you're talking about Google, mm-hmm. you're not talking about the old guard, right. so to speak. Right. Like, hello, we're yeah. still available. We're still out there. But, yep. uh, but well, it's kind of like newspapers, basically. <laughs> you know? I bought, me, I bought me a new bird the other day, so I've started subscribing to the local paper. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Tends to like the sports section. Ah. Okay. Got a hamster <laughs> that likes the classifieds. Well, the hamster likes uh, both the automotive and the sports. Exactly. So I have to split them up. Okay. Yeah. You could just ask for paper at the grocery store, too, by the way. And speaking of that, I decided to use some extra paper to paper the windows during the uh, recent hurricanes we had. You papered the windows? Yeah, in case of flying glass, you know. (laughs) Well, that would certainly help, Brad. Yeah. That's good. Go for it. Well, plus it keeps any kind of, uh, you know, what is it called when they... uh, Try to go around and steal stuff because they take advantage. Looting. Looting. Yeah, yeah, thank you. You had that in your neighborhood? No. <laughs> Not that I know of. Not that I know of. Uh, this was interesting, Ray. Uh, where is that? Um, oh, yeah, here you know, it is. They have some nice homes in the Fifth Ward now. You know, the wind blew so much. The Fifth Ward? It's now in the Third Ward. ward. Yeah. You know, uh, Hanukkah this year, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Hanukkah is actually uh, landing on, the, the, the beginning of Hanukkah here, is landing on December 25th. Oh, interesting. It has not happened in, uh, what is the date here? Uh, well, it hasn't happened in a long time. I haven't gotten to that part here. But anyway, it, what that means is that they're expecting a much, uh, much better uh, – uh, shopping period since 1959. Mm-hmm. They're expecting a much uh, better uh, holiday shopping period when the Jewish Festival of Lights coincides perfectly this year with uh, with the Christmas holiday. And, uh, mm-hmm. and as I said, for the first time since 1959, and with the uh, uh, start date of Hanukkah, of course, which is determined by the lunar calendar uh, as opposed to our uh, Christian calendar, uh, once every... Uh, you know, every so often it, it does line up. And what's interesting, I, I, could, I thought of this when I was reading this. There's one business that will not benefit from this. That would be? Christian bookstores. Oh, I see. <laughs> Other than that, everybody else perhaps will benefit. Uh, some may, though. I would think. Some may. Especially jewelry stores and uh, clothing stores. Any, you know, <laughs> anything that uh, both, both uh, religious sectors go out and buy those gifts yes. will benefit from okay. because they get the double whammy this year. This was a commercial. No, there's something like that. No, it wasn't a commercial. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, auto sales are down, yeah. as we know that. Right. <laughs> so, so summer discounts, this is from uh, from Ad Age. Uh, summer discounts hurt winter 
auto sales. Well, duh. Yeah. If you're going to buy the car then, you don't have and, to buy it well, now. You discount it then, it sucks business out of what? Future purchases, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I get a kick out of the employee discount for GM mm-hmm. because now if most of those employees are unemployed, mm-hmm. uh, so would that be a better discount? Well, or? that means you don't have, that means you don't pay anymore because so, you don't have any money. You got the car? Repossession. Here comes the repo man. <laughs> uh oh. No. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see. What are we doing here? Oh, I know. We've got uh, advertising on the way here in just a moment and more with our guest, Todd Peters, Vice President of Brand Management for Staples, back with us next hour. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is the advertising show. Today's your group day. Today you've got to run and start. You're a man who feels the part. It's your lucky group day today. Get your day off to a running start with Brute 33 active perspirant or deodorant. It gives you. The now kind that's of the other kind of brute. That's sure uh, what is that? Uh, the men in skin brace. Oh yeah. Thanks. I needed that. You know, when I think of brute, I think of uh, Joe Namath. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah remember remember that? that? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Joe Namath. How nice. One of the few men that could actually wear a full-length fur and get away with it. <laughs> and shaved his legs. Remember he did yes, that? Yes, I do remember we go. that. Which I'm sure a lot of guys do nowadays. Well, I'm doing it right now. Are you? Mm-hmm. Well, I oh. nair. I don't do the shave. I get too many nicks. <laughs> Be careful where you put it. It's, uh, it's the advertising show. Every week we do look at the upside and the downside of advertising. From the looks of it, it looks like you've got something in the newspaper today. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't look good at no. this point. And now it's time for the bad advertising item of the week. Boing. Just love that sound effect. Thank yeah. you. And you're right, Ray. We do have a bad advertising item of the week. And, uh, you know, it goes out today. If I were to say Cadillac, mm-hmm. you know, what, you, you think OnStar, right? Because it's a big thing they hang their hat on. Yeah, right. And then one of the uh, hot Cadillac uh, products right now that's out is the CTS. And you can see it from here. This that's is a very a, nice car. It's a very nice car. And this is a half-page ad in the Wall Street Journal last week. Uh, let's see what week was. Well, it was last week, last Wednesday. And uh, the the reason why this uh, particular half-page ad that comes through uh, Chemistry, which is a uh, strategically aligned agency with, uh, who was it, uh, um, Leo Burnett, wasn't it? Leo Burnett, yeah, yeah. I think it was, yeah. And, of course, which is owned by Publicis. Uh, here we have an ad that's a beautiful ad. I mean, uh, can you see the visual here? Very, uh, very uh, Norman Rockwell-ish. Exactly. It's a Norman Rockwell-style picture background where you have a Christmassy kind of gazebo mm-hmm. and a little de- little uh, uh, mountain setting of a small community. Mm-hmm. And you've got the mountains in the background, a little sleigh and so forth. And you have the product featured in the center here. And then you look and you say to yourself, okay, this particular car, this CTS, is known as a performance Cadillac vehicle. I mean, it's all about when you buy this product, you get a good quality, but a, but a performing type Cadillac as opposed to your father's Cadillac. Right, right. And you know, I'm looking for some kind of uh, remind me of all the benefits of this particular product. Mm-hmm. It's nowhere. No. Well, what we have here is we have the gift you'll never stop opening up. Discover the award-winning Cadillac CTS. This is part of the headline. With a year of safety and security and on-star holiday gift for those most exclusive list, the Cadillac season's best sales event ever. So I'm saying, okay, but why? 
Why, mm-hmm. why do I, I mean, give me some features to this product. Mm-hmm. And over here, you, you mentioned uh, last segment about uh, auto sales being down mm-hmm. because of discounts. Right. Well, here they're discounting again, two ninety nine. Two ninety nine for that car. Two ninety nine for thirty nine months, and the two two thousand three hundred fifty nine do it uh, lease signing. They're going to sell a few of those. They will, but it's like you're to me, you're losing the opportunity to continue to extend the value and the mm-hmm. and the features of the product. Uh, as to what is the motivating factor for a customer to be attracted to a CTS. And instead, you're taking a holiday theme and just, you know, it's one of those ads that are pretty, Mm -hmm. but it really doesn't have any strategy behind it, I don't think. And I think it it wouldn't have been that difficult to incorporate some verbiage within even this environment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who's going to buy this for a a, a Christmas gift? Mm -hmm. Who could afford that? A few. Well, a few, but not if, many. But if you are, it's not a it's not a full pop. I guess it's two three two thousand three hundred fifty nine down, and then two ninety nine a month. But it's like I don't know. I I think uh, it's one of those things where it's a it's a it's a decently executed ad. But whenever I've seen any previous advertising on Cadillac, uh, especially the CTS, it's always been about the performance of the vehicle and how the Cadillac has changed its image and changed right. its brand and all that. And I don't get that from this ad. So what we were able to do was to slide this particular bad advertising in because next week mm-hmm. we have another bad advertising. This will be two bad advertisings back-to-back. Wow. And it's on automotive again. Really? And it's on it's – on, uh, a Buick, a Buick product. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when I when I describe it next week, you'll remember because you probably have seen this. A lot of times we talk about TV spots that aren't quite out there yet. They're new spots. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I've waited a few weeks so that other people could see the spot. Hopefully, a lot of people sure. will have seen the spot. So when I describe it, it's not something that they're going to see later. And see if you don't agree with me because next week it's going to be – when you see this and you hear this, even if you haven't seen the spot, when you hear this description, right. it will blow your mind as to the fact that a national company mm-hmm. could have actually come up with this idea mm-hmm. and and you would say to yourself, okay, the way you describe it, this must be a joke. When mm-hmm. I saw this TV spot, I said, this must be a joke. And I hit my – we have the digital video right. recording capability. Right. So as soon as I saw that, I hit reverse real quick because yeah. I wanted to make sure that I saw that right. Mm-hmm. Got a piece of paper out and started taking notes and went through it very slowly mm-hmm. and ended up missing part of uh, my favorite t- current TV program, Earl. Earl. You've watched like any it? of no, this? I've not watched Oh, it's that, no. great. That's no. great. Did you say Lucerne in this ad? It is exactly what it is, <laughs> Lucerne. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I saw a great, a great ad for, uh, I think it was Lexus, uh, where they've got the uh, the lead reindeer, which they're all silver Lexuses, mm-hmm. and they've got Rudolph at the head, and then you see all in a pack flying down the road, and then they've got uh, a red Lexus with Santa Claus in it. Oh, I like that it's idea. It's kind of cool. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great ad. So we've gone from good, bad to good. And then back to bad. And then back to bad. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fine. So we've got uh, Todd Peters with us next hour, Vice President of Brand Management at Staples, and a lot more on the way, too, including Patrick Meyer. We've got the wacky world of marketing. Uh, let's see, Andy Borowitz is with us next hour as well, too. So if you'd like you to stay with us, reminder to go to theadvertisingshow.com for podcasts and RSS feeds. And, of course, if you're not listening live or you want to share it with somebody later, that's a great way to do it. Advertising Show, brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a Big Radio Midgets production. Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, 
sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And it's hour number two of the advertising show. How can we tell? Well, the big hand is on the two. <laughs> no, that's not right. I don't. <laughs> advertising show is brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. The advertising show is a big radio midgets production. Humongous. This hour, Patrick Meyer, sex, lies, and advertising. I've done those three. Have you really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Not in that order. In that order? No. <laughs> okay. There's too much information there. Andy Borowitz, too. <laughs> Guest workers in the White House. These are illegal immigrants that George Bush is putting in the White House mm-hmm. so that they can speak a second language there. Sure. And, uh, and if they get in trouble, they get to leave real quick. <laughs> yeah. That should and, be funny. And uh, the Wacky Word will mark any other way, too, this yeah. hour as well. So so the IAB, do you know what the IAB is? Yes, I do. Okay, the Interactive Advertising Bureau. Bureau yes. Yesterday, not yesterday, this past week, I should say, released mm-hmm. guidelines to provide uh, uh, creative parameters for the making of online video broadband commercials, mm-hmm. limiting in stream commercial lengths to no more than 30 seconds. I think that's a mistake. Uh, what are they going to do? Fine you if you did that? I mean, well, who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's silly. Uh, the, the guidelines address the length of video ads, how much control the user should have over the ad, but do not yet cover issues such as frequency capping and how to serve uh, and track such ads. What, who, are, they, who what de- are they trying to do? Who decides how long? The IAB? I'm sorry. How about the creative strategy and the objective? Yeah. You and, know? How, and how about the stockholders? <laughs> yeah. Uh, although spending for the Internet video advertising in the U.S. will nearly triple in 2007. Do you realize? Here, here we go. Mm-hmm. $640 million from this year's $225 million. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of bucks, folks. Mm-hmm. According to predictions from online market research uh, from eMarketer, broadband videos are already so popular now, there is a chronic shortage of video ad inventory. Well, how can that be? Well, how can you have a shortage of video ad inventory when the internet is virtual and its participants are in the millions? The doesn't make any sense. No, uh, now they're saying uh, a shortage of of ad inventory or video yeah. inventory. Yeah, it says yeah, a chronic shortage of video ad inventory. Well, that means advertisers aren't supporting it. Is what is that what they're saying? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, the IAB is there. It's is their is their name. Yeah. Well, let's all get together and say, your thirty second format IAB. I'm breaking it this week. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do a twenty eight, <laughs> and then a thirty four, just to upset you. <laughs> I'm reading a book right now, right? Dean and Me. Have you heard about it? Jerry Lewis's new uh, uh, autobiography. Oh no, but it sounds interesting. It is very cool, and uh, I, I let me think. What's a, a double day? Double Day is the uh, publisher, and uh, he was on uh, uh, Larry King earlier this week. He's dropped some weight, too, as far he has. as I saw, yeah. It was a disease-related deal where it had to do with... It was medication. Uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. It was a reaction to medication, and uh, and he has dropped some weight. And i got to tell you, this book is supposed to be... I didn't know this until I saw it on... Uh, so it mentioned on Larry King, it's on, it's on the bestseller list now, and it's done very well, and it's very touching. It, it's really some insight into his uh, beginnings with with uh, Dean Martin, yeah. who who he called Paul, which was his real name, hmm. and just kind of the behind the scenes uh, view of all that. And a lot of people don't know this. Uh, you and I are working on a book, and we've entitled it Ray, Brad, and our other three personalities. And that should be on the market uh, sometime next year. But uh, anyway, it, it's an interesting. Uh, read and uh, after I'm done with it I'll hand it off to you. Please do. I'd yeah. love to see that. You know, I had a chance to meet Gary 
his son, Gary Lewis, uh, years ago, and the Playboys, who lives in Maple Heights, Ohio. Uh-huh. Why I'm not sure. Not to say that Maple Heights, Ohio, is not a, it's a suburb of Cleveland. And he okay. was part of the Gary Lewis and the Playboys. Gary Lewis and yeah. the Playboys, yeah. And he used to hang out a lot in Miami at the Fountain Blue Hotel. We did some promotions with them and such. Mm-hmm. And not until I saw the uh, it was a movie that the Jerry was in. Uh, I forget what it was called. It was the one with the typewriter song thing that he mm-hmm. did. And I was like, man. This is the place. This is the building on the movie. It's pretty cool, yeah. actually. Well, I was with uh, Dave Dillon one day. You know Dave. Yes. Our audience doesn't know him. And he no. said... Uh, well, they do now here. He said, hey, Dave. Brad, give me a little Jerry Lewis. And I said, hey, lady. And he <laughs> liked very, that. Very good. Yeah, well, thank you. That's, that's, that's what happened from reading that book. And there's the end of Brad's <laughs> right there. Let's check in with Patrick Meyer. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. Today I'm going to talk to you about a topic I call sex lies in advertising. It's a story. It's about a man and a wife and then a seducer. The wife was the marketer. Sharp, intelligent, aggressive, focused on building business. She's married to a man quite a bit older, having a midlife crisis, and this is the advertising agency. The marketer is looking for advertising awareness, winning awards, reaching frequency. The difference between the two has put them in turmoil. Now enter the seducer. Here's the marketer who wants to meet her needs, her values, her objectives. It's not working with her husband that she's currently with. And along comes a young, hot agency, and she's intrigued, but she's conflicted. Well, the story obviously is about a very simple problem. Two different sets of objectives, agency versus client. And it comes down to a very simple thing, adoption model. When you come through marketing and you come through advertising, the first thing you're taught is that the adoption funnel is about reach and frequency driving awareness that translates into trial, retrial, and then eventually loyalty. The problem is in marketers' minds, they don't believe that that works anymore, even though Madison Avenue still sells it. What they believe is that there's a whole different way to connect to the consumer, from product to viral to retail to online to a whole host of ways to touch them. My message inside this story is very simple. You need to focus on where the marketer is trying to get to. So we need a whole different way, a 360-degree way to activate the business. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. This is Patrick Meyer, CEO of Now. And remember, the marketing revolution has begun. For more, go to nowinc.net. So there you have it, the Sex, Lies, and Advertising segment of the Advertising Show, oh. where we're about to uh, join in conversation again this hour with uh, Todd Peters, who is Vice President of Brand Management at Staples. And I'm sure he gets all his office supplies at Staples. Yeah? Oh, that's very good. That's very <laughs> Red is a picture of uh, Tom. Of, uh, of Todd. Slightly altered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we won't talk about that. <laughs> that's okay. So if you'll stick around, you'll hear more with Todd and Ray Schillings and, uh, and Brad Forsyth and a whole bunch more, too, on The Advertising Show. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Schillens and Brad Forsyth. Look what the guys on the team gave me. King of the beer frame. 
Well, I may not be the best at picking spares. But when it comes to picking beers, I'll pick a kingpin every time. Budweiser is the king of beers. It's the advertising show. Wouldn't be the weekend without a couple of buds sitting here on Brad and Bard. <laughs> no, that, no, we're, we're we joking. Do that. Not a lot to do that. There's no. something about the FCC. All right. Uh, Todd Peters back with us this hour. <laughs> Todd Peters is vice president of brand management at uh, Staples. What a great campaign that's going. A lot of new stuff happening for next year as well. And uh, anyway, it's it's good to have you back on the advertising Thanks. show. Thanks. Nice to be here. Yeah, and uh, Ray mentioned that uh, earlier this week uh, uh, Todd was out in California at a TV shoot, and if any of the uh, folks at uh, Office Max or Office Depot are listening and want to know about the strategy for 06, you can uh, write your request on the back of a $1,000 bill, and uh, Ray and I will get right back with you. Uh, wanted to... Uh, he doesn't say Office Depot or Office Max. This is Depot or Max. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. That's fine. Uh, you know, I was mentioning before we came on the air uh, that we were going to be talking to a guy with Staples, and they said, oh, really, is that that entertainment complex out in Los Angeles? Uh, you know, you guys won the uh, naming rights for the L.A. Sports Entertainment Complex, right. uh, now called, of course, Staples Center. Uh, curious, first of all, that was back in 97. Again, let's just say predated Todd, so if it was a great idea, then somebody else gets the credit, and I think it was. What, what did you guys pay for naming rights? Oh, I, I don't know, and if I did, I wouldn't be uh, sharing that with you today. Well, I'm sure it's public. It's got to be public, uh, you know, the way that stuff works. A couple and if, bucks. If it's, it doesn't mean that it's accurate. It's just that it's public. Right, and I honestly, I don't know what the, what the uh, contract is with, yeah. with. Do you Do you have a sense of whether you feel it was a winning strategy or not? Yeah, I think it is a great strategy. We 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 get a lot of recognition. We're strong on the West Coast, and the entertainment that they have, and and the things like the Emmys and the Grammys, and and you have uh, you know the Rolling Stones, and then you have uh, the Lakers playing. We, we we get a lot of pickup of of the signage there, and people talk about the Staples Center a lot. So we think uh, we think it's been a, a pretty good investment for the strategy. Well, you know, L.A., one of, what, three or four media centers, certainly one of a few media centers in the U.S., you get you get uh, all kinds of mentions uh, throughout the uh, any broadcast week uh, and, and print journalism, et cetera. I'm, I'm curious, what other uh, branded entertainment venues has Staples been involved with? Well, we did The Apprentice this past year, mm -hmm. and, and we kind of cut our teeth on that, um, and that was a new experience for me and, and, and my team and Staples. And it turned out to be just a, a, a phenomenal success for us across the board. Uh, and we think that Brandon Entertainment is a good place for our brand to be, and we're looking for new opportunities, and we're going to do more of that in 06. And you guys, were, uh, did, you did some cross-promotion with uh, Yahoo uh, regarding The Apprentice. Talk a little bit about that. Well, Yahoo has been a strong partner with Mark Burnett and The Apprentice properties, so we figured that that was a logical extension given that Yahoo also delivers our home office and small business customers where we would pick them up. We kind of thought about the show as a funnel, and we really wanted the show where the task that we helped uh, the Burnett team write is how to make an, an easy office product. So it was on brand strategy, but then we wanted to move people into the Internet or into the stores. So Yahoo was a, was a great partner for us to get people onto the site and move them into, hopefully, to staples.com and to purchase one of the desk apprentices. And we sold a thousand in the first 15 minutes after the show aired. Hmm. So, uh, other than uh, obviously uh, that that kind of sales reaction, 
Were you able to determine whether your uh, desk apprentice tie-in was, uh, well, not just desk apprentice, but the apprentice uh, tie-in in particular was a measurable ROI and, uh, and perceived as a successful? Uh, yeah, successful. Yeah, we looked at we looked at the metrics pretty carefully, mm-hmm. and we went in there with a number of, of different metrics. Our first metric was really our sixty-eight thousand associates. We wanted to do something that made the associates, particularly the floor associates that work in the stores, feel really good about putting on a red shirt every day and going into Staples. And we got letters, and I, 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 we, we had a great response, and they had rallies, and they watched the show together, and, and they really felt proud to be part of the Staples team, and that was hard to put, put a dollar value on it. Then we did, we did some more traditional stuff like awareness and ROI on, on the media placement. It turned out we had, I don't know, four and a half minutes of Staples dedicated content. Um, and then the awareness lift we got from that was, was a, a tremendous, tremendous value. And then we sold, we had, we had tons of web, web traffic. So that was another metric. How many hits did we actually get? How many PR impressions did we pick up? We, we picked up a lot of PR impressions because we were the first to make a product on the show, actually go manufacture it, and sell it the night of the show. And it's all under embargo because no one can know what the product is. And, and the Burnett people will sue you if, uh, if you disclose anything about the, that part of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to make sure that we were very, very secretive, which getting a, a product made and getting it into the stores with no one knowing what it is, is a, is, a, is a tough task. I would imagine. And then we sold a lot of desk apprentices. So, so we just found, found that we had kind of a trifecta there. Well, I'll tell you, it's uh, refreshing to hear uh, uh, an executive at the uh, at the uh, advertising and marketing branding level actually doing some uh, ROI digging there and being able to tie something like that into uh, into a return on investment. You know, last year was your first year for uh, Staples at running a spot in the Super Bowl, and uh, I guess uh, as according to my estimates here, you tell me. Uh, 5%, I guess, of your company's entire budget went towards uh, last year's Super Bowl. I'm curious, number one, uh, why the wait? Why, why just last year? Maybe it's because Todd just started working there. And then, uh, and then also if Staples is planning on uh, participating in this year's Super Bowl. Well, it was, uh, they actually have done two Super Bowl ads the last two years they've been in. Okay. Um, and what happened last year, which, which I was involved in these conversations, is we picked up a Remnant 30 that was just great. Mm-hmm. We got a great deal, and it was last minute. And we looked at that, and we said, okay, that makes sense to us. And then we looked at the ad that we had, which was launching the Easy Button. And we said, that, that's a great venue to, to you know, unveil this, this new campaign, this new creative direction for the Staples brand. Hmm. Now, the remnant was last year. Pardon me? The remnant purchase was last year? That's correct. And uh, are you at liberty to say what you paid for it? Uh, no, and I, I don't really do the media buying, so I'm not sure exactly, but I do know that we got a very attractive deal by buying it at the last minute. Yeah, and for those that may not be familiar, that's exactly what it is, buying last minute avail, and uh, if it does not get bought, it's there's nothing more perishable than a Super Bowl spot that uh, doesn't get filled. Okay. And I think the rate was, I recall, going last year to uh, $2.3 million, something like that, that. That sounds a ballpark. And, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. We ended up being at, right at the beginning beginning of the third quarter and it was a great game as you recall and the Patriots were in it and uh, it worked out very well for us. Mm, I would imagine you paid well under two million if it was a remnant spot. Uh, we have a couple minutes left. That was my guess. Don't don't call me and ask me for one of those spots this year. I can't help you. Uh, a couple minutes left in this uh, in this particular segment. I'm curious uh, uh, do you find your customers gravitate more, Todd, towards using a catalog or, or website when placing orders? Well, I, the catalog, I think there's it, it's gravitating more towards website. Uh, that channel is growing faster. Yeah. But you do have a segment 
that w- relies very heavily, and some people use both. They look things up in the catalog, and then they go to the site and they order it. Yeah, I would think new purchases are, are not are going to be something that they want to touch and feel and, and probably make more of those kind of purchases at the retail level, and you probably don't see much of that. Uh, it's probably more repurchase on the uh, Internet. I, I, I think so. We, we see the catalog as still a, a, a very important tool for us uh, as term, in terms of a sales-driving channel. Um, but but we are seeing a faster rate of growth on the internet. Give us a sense of uh, Black Friday weekend sales for you guys. How did you do? We think we did well. Um, you know the, the indicators were we got off to a very good start on Black Friday. Mm-hmm. We, had, we had the right traffic, and we haven't finished all the data, but we're uh, we're pretty pretty optimistic about the holiday season. A lot of people got off to a good start as well <clears throat> this holiday season. Hopefully, it's going to be a great year. Economic data that came out this week, and so you know we're it's day by day, and that's the fun fun really of the retail business. But right now, we're cautiously optimistic that we're going to have a good season. We like that. We've got uh, Todd back for one more segment here on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. Todd is Vice President, Brand Management of uh, Staples. And as we continue with uh, with this program, we hope you stick around as well. Uh, the Advertising Show. Reminder again about the website, theadvertisingshow.com, where we've got the podcast and the RSS feeds and a whole bunch more as well. So stay with us here. For the wacky world of marketing. Wacky world of marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott. Our wacky update heads to Detroit, where you don't mess with spam. And we're not talking about email. AP reports that spam sees nothing funny in a radio station's scam CD cover. Hormel, the maker of the canned lunch meat, is accusing a Detroit radio station, WKQIFM, of trademark infringement. The station wants to avoid a lawsuit, so interns have been putting banned stickers over the spam cans. The CD is called Phone Scams Volume 7 and features prank calls and other bits by the station's morning team. The cover art shows a spam can, except it says scam. While sales of the CD are to benefit charity, a Hormel spokeswoman tells the Detroit News that the company must protect its trademark. And that, my friends, is the wacky world of marketing. This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and unfortunately, the true wacky world of marketing. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. I dread to think what became of her. That haunting, exquisite creature. A note of music. Safe. A thoughtless word from any one of us. A disturbance of the air could start an earthquake in her. No one could protect her. Dearest from the passion she inspired. How could so much love? Oh, she, she, I was waiting for more there, but that's okay. <laughs> Advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, Vice President of Brand Management for Staples. It's Todd Peters, and we've got him for one more segment here. Welcome back to the show, Todd. Thank you. Yeah, uh, one of our uh, one of our many sponsors here in the show is uh, Univision Radio, and I'm curious, uh, and this is kind of a thorn in, in both Ray and my side here, why in the world was last summer the first for Staples creating a Spanish-language television spot? Uh, good question. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 again, 
I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Pre predates me, but yeah. but uh, we have one now, and I think that's the important part. Yeah, yeah I think I think so. It's a, to me, and and you know, I'm not uh, I'm not really riding uh, staples because you're obviously a forward thinking guy, Todd, and you bring a lot to. A lot of good uh, good thoughts and good uh, perspective to uh, brand management for Staples, and I'm sure you were uh, you were a part of why that uh, is happening now. And you can't do anything about why it wasn't happening in the past. Yeah, actually, but. I, they were they were onto it before I got there. We recently recognized uh, in Los Angeles from the Hispanic community from our contributions Makes to sense. helping them build small businesses, and it, it's uh, it, it's it's a focal point for us. And we're doing, a, I think, we're doing a pretty good job there. Yeah. Well, give us a sense of your uh, breakdown. Another one of our sponsors is Viacom Outdoor, and uh, not not familiar with what you guys do in the outdoor arena, but you kind of give us a sense from a traditional media standpoint of uh, just some ballpark allocations of uh, where your where your dollars are spent. Well, we we do a lot of direct. We, we do a lot of direct marketing. Um, we also spend you know a considerable amount on our rewards program. I think those those are probably we, we thought the ROI is is strong. In, in the direct area, uh, we also believe that if you're a valued customer of ours, then you should get some nice rewards. So um, we, we are investing in that area, and we think that's that's an important area for us. Um, and then TV, we think TV is, is, is great, and we use it for two different reasons. One is to build a brand, uh, and the other is to really drive traffic. So during highly promotional seasons like back to school and uh, the holiday period that we're in now, um, it's more promotional and, and product-driven, and in other parts of the year, we're really trying to through some, sell through some of the easy benefits. Well, could it be argued that uh, that when you give up a reward for frequent uh, shopping that you could be giving up profits to customers that were coming back anyway? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think the way we look at it is that we're increasing their loyalty and really their, their connection to the brand. So, you know, it's there's a lot of competition out there. We're not the only game in town, and we're trying to really develop and nurture a relationship with our best customers. Mm -hmm. Well, and again, you guys, uh, you guys circle back around and do some uh, some uh, consumer studies on that to verify that. We, we we run we have a lot of analytics, uh, like Intel Staples uh, runs on numbers, so we look at that pretty carefully. Mm -hmm. Tell me, you don't do uh, focus groups. You know, we've, we're having a lot of discussions about focus groups, and we've all sat through them for many years. Uh, yeah. um, we still do them. We, we also do some other types of really uh, deep, more innovative forms of customer research. Mm -hmm. Occasionally, we still have to jump in and do a focus group. Yeah. Well, keep somebody happy at the top, right? Well, you know, we, we use them differently now. It's, it's not really at the top. It's sometimes driven by me, mm -hmm. which is, do we have a communications issue here? And, and it's, it's sometimes used where McCann Erickson will tell you know, feel very strong about one way, and I'll be unsure. And so, well, let's go to, you know, the jury. Let's, let's take it into groups, and let's hear what people have to say. They also do a good job of ferreting out some issues, maybe in the advertising, that you just don't see. So uh, we, we, get some, we get some mileage out of our groups. They're, they're probably not the most uh, innovative way to understand your customers, where their mind's at, but it also keeps you honest. Do you guys ever uh, poll or, or do research on uh, the people in the trenches there, customer support and so forth, and get uh, get uh, feedback from them on what some of your customers are, are saying to them about their experience? Yeah, we, we have a pretty extensive, but really the way we do it is we have a, what's called a customer satisfaction and survey, and we do a point-of-sale survey, and it's, it's a huge database. It's, it's probably got a million responses in it, and we track really carefully on, on probably 20 metrics, which I won't go into. But I have a pretty good idea at a granular level, at a store level, what's going on. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's great data to have, and we take a look at it, 
And is it a brand? Is it a communications issue? Is it an operational issue? Um, the great thing is that we're, we're up and down the line, we're so dedicated to making this easy experience happen that we get a lot of support from people to go and, and make some changes when mm-hmm. we need to. You know, uh, Staples understands when no one else does, a, a motto you guys use. Uh, isn't this a tall order, I mean, to make a claim that could be difficult to, to live up to? Um, the claim of... Well, I mean, you, Staples, under, Staples understands when no one else does. So if somebody has an experience somewhere else that, you know, they didn't right. get it or whatever, now they're coming to you and they're expecting, or maybe they, whether they had that experience or not at a competitor, they're coming to you with high expectations, I yeah. guess. Uh, my, my belief is that many marketers, many corporate clients don't think enough and pay enough respect to their customers. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like it might be a tall order, but I don't think we're over-promising. In fact, our data shows that we're getting better every single quarter on key metrics that customers told us were important to them. So I, I don't know that we feel it's, uh, it, it's really uh, maybe a, an arrogant or overreaching uh, objective. Um, we think it's very unifying, and, and our customers appreciate it. Well, your new Easy campaign, uh, we have about 20 seconds left. Anything you want to say in closing about your new campaign? Uh, we think it's got tremendous uh, viability and extendability. We've actually made a three-dimensional Easy button, and we've sold 200,000 of them. They're just flying off the shelves. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about it, it's an empathetic idea, and it's taken an, uh, something that's rather amorphous, which is making things easy. And it's tangible, and from my nine-year-old comes up with ideas about Easy Button ads. I've also talked to Fortune 500 CEOs that get the Easy Button. We are out of time. Back in just a minute on The Advertising Show. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. has changed her name. Call me Susie Chapstick. Hey, Susie Chapstick. This is real Chapstick weather, so Chapstick is the only name for me. Chapstick lip balm helps keep you. Well, Chapstick weather turns out to be any time of the year because if you're a smart person, you're going to wear it in the summertime as well. True. Uh, especially with the SPF uh, protection there for us. So, but uh, we thank Susie Chapstick for that. What a great connection with the brand. Yeah. It's the advertising show. It's Ray Shillins and uh, Brad Forsyth and... Uh, we are uh, back for a couple more segments here, are we? She yes, we to, are. She used to date Todd Peters, <laughs> Susie Chaffee. <laughs> and then what would Todd's response be? He, that was before my time. Yeah, I wasn't there yet. <laughs> yeah. She's probably in it. What was it? She was in the Olympics, uh, gosh, yeah. 70s, maybe 80s? I guess so. <laughs> there you go. You okay? I need some Fiji, Fiji water. Okay, time for product placement here <laughs> on the advertising show. It's uh, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Speaking of water, which is a healthy thing for all of us to drink, especially Fiji water. <laughs> Hello. Uh, yes, you okay? Yeah. Okay, good. Hey, that Fiji water helped you out good, Brad. It's not only a drink, it's a cold remedy. <laughs> and it also makes a nice bird feeder. Yes, exactly. Uh, as long as we're on the food uh, and drink thing here, we... Um, uh, this is something that the food industry is apparently struggling with right now. It says the food industry uh, struggles to meet public's health needs. <laughs> That's right. a problem. Yeah. Okay. It says after nearly a decade of grappling with the need for more healthful offerings, the food industry executives at the Grocery Manufacturers Association first 
Future of Food Conference, say that real quick, seem no closer to a solution. <laughs> well, that's not good. <laughs> My goodness. So they're saying in operating remarks at the Ronald Reagan Center this past Tuesday, uh, let's see, Hershey President uh, Rick Lenny said the rate of change is going to accelerate as innovation in food technology and biotechnology drive companies closer to the holy grail of products that offer convenience, taste, and nutrition. But at the same time, attendees and speakers acknowledge the difficulties marketers face in trying to profitably develop uh, the healthful fare. So they're saying there's always a pushback from upper-level management uh, when we come up with new ideas for more healthful foods because they cost too much. Well, well, you got to do something. Call me crazy, but what the guy? What's the guy from Hershey talking about? You know, healthy food. Healthy foods. Well, some people say the chocolate. They say the almonds are good too for you. So oh wait, no, not not anymore. No, you can't have nuts. That's the big thing. It's been well. if, if this past week, oh, allergic to peanuts, peanuts, mm-hmm. the, the 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 death kiss, mm-hmm. uh, people that carry those pens around. What are they called? Uh, you know, with the uh, just in case they get an allergic reaction. Oh yeah, I yeah. don't remember the name, but I know what you're saying. So I, I, I Mr. walk peanuts around. not doing too good this year. I walk around with a jar of Mr. Peanuts and I hand them out to little kids. It's kind of my way of testing them to see if they their throat closes up and they get that allergic oh, reaction. Good. Sure, yeah. And then I have that pen that you were talking about in case they need the uh, mm-hmm. tracheometry, ometry, <laughs> whatever it is. <laughs> Tracheotomy. Yes, that too. that too. That's if it's a little lower. Hey, a programming note: last uh, the late uh, Peter Jennings will make. One last TV appearance on ABC. You're kidding. Uh, December 15th, uh, ABC will air the final documentary on uh, reported by Jennings entitled Peter Jennings Reporting Break Down America's Health Insurance Crisis, which, of course, was shot many months before his uh, passing. And it will be uh, have an introduction by who? Charlie Gibson. Really? Yeah. So, you know, here we are in sweeps, and ABC pulls one last trick out of their hat with bringing uh, Peter around for his... Final As if we should be surprised, it's called videotape. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, look, it's Peter. Right. <laughs> but uh, it, it'll be interesting to see what kind of ratings this uh, pulls, and uh, I'll, I'll probably tune in just to see. I, I was a big fan of Peter Jennings. I think you were as well. He was very good. Yeah, yeah he was very good. good. Not bad for a high school dropout. He was a high school dropout? Mm-hmm. I did not know that. Yeah, he, he uh, decided he wanted to become a reporter and uh, wow. decided to take that on long before and uh, has done quite a, you know, he's not only a high school dropout, but uh, knows how to string a few sentences together, at least did, yeah. and be gr- grammatically correct. So, yeah. I mean, you know, it goes to show you uh, there's something to be said for a high school equivalency exam. <laughs> I guess. I don't well, know. Well, yes, there is. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, at Walmart, uh, and I know you shop there a lot. Um, yes, I do. Do you? Well, not well, a lot. Not, do not. I do. Uh, it says, Walmart stores presenting research that claims advertising on its in-store marketing network operated at select locations mm-hmm. in partnership with Premier Retail Networks. Right. There's a product plug. Is more efficient than conventional cable and network television advertising in terms of generating sales, and I might uh, I might agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're catching people at the point of purchase. Well, and it's like hello. Think about what your costs are. It's in house. You're not paying. I mean, you're paying for equipment. It's an in house announcement. Of course, they're they're premieres charging them, but still, you're yeah. getting accountability because the people are right there and they can react to it. That's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, so. If you want to get your stuff sold in Walmart, go on the uh, Premier Retail Networks channel. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. One final segment here as we uh, wrap up this weekend edition of the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth.
make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Nobody can call George Whipple an old fuddy-duddy. This new sign is right up with the times. Maybe this will stop the ladies from squeezing Charmin bathroom tissue. It's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. It reminds me of Luke Sullivan uh, with Hey Whipple, Squeeze This. Mm -hmm. And I had a thing, I don't know whether I saved it or not, that said that GSD&M just picked up somebody. BMW. Well, no, somebody else. No? I thought it was BMW. Oh, I know what it was. was, uh, No, a cruise line. Uh, Uh, They're they're trying to rebrand a cruise line. Cutter? I don't know. Yeah. Well, apparently they have a name awareness problem. Whoever it is, <laughs> they do now, so you can start from ground zero. And I say, but it was before my time. I said BMW, and I don't know that. Somebody told me the other day that uh, GSD and M uh, picked up BMW. I knew it was up for review because Fallon, good for them, decided yeah. you you you're going to do a review. Yeah. We're, we're not in. Right. Go do your review. We've done a good job for you for 15 years. Yeah. Made a name brand, worldwide brand out of BMW. Done a great job. I'm out. Dusenberry didn't agree with that. He said they should have pitched it. At well, least. I, and you know, it's easy to say. It's easy for both of us to say. You're right. not on the inside. You don't know what's going on. For no, you all, really don't. For all we know, it wasn't a good financial deal, maybe for uh, Fallon, but they stuck with it. Who knows? Well, they don't know. I don't know that the finances came into play. And again, we don't know that. But I would suggest it's more of just a an ego, ego thing. thing. Well, pride. The ego is pride. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, and pride in a good way. Okay. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. come on, you guys, cut this out. That's mm-hmm. like reassessing your marriage after 25 years. The problem is, I'm going to need you. To reapply for this job, yes, yeah. I'm not sure. It was a new. Well, you did your, that with your wife. Unfortunately, she passed. But the uh, <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> no, the uh, the thing is, is they had a new marketing director, McDowell, who had been there for many years, left, and they said, "New marketing director, what do they do?" Well, I got to review the agency. I can't just take the one that's been doing this for 15 yeah. years. Yeah, that wouldn't be a. Yeah, uh, kosher, yeah. so to speak. And talk about an ego. And uh, talking about kosher, here's Andy Borowitz on the advertising show. Hi, this is Andy Borowitz for The Advertising Show. And now, here's this week's feature from The Borowitz Report. President George W. Bush, who's been talking tough on the subject of illegal immigration in recent days, appeared to reverse course this past week, announcing a guest worker program that allows illegal immigrants to work inside the White House itself. Recognizing that his new plan was likely to draw the ire of conservatives and other foes of illegal immigration, Mr. Bush said that the guest workers' duties in the White House would be limited, mainly responsible for leaking classified information to the press. According to White House insiders, using illegal immigrants to perform leaking functions that were formerly the responsibility of the White House aides has several advantages. Principally, after leaking the information to reporters, the guest workers can sneak over the border back to their country of origin before being subpoenaed, indicted, or summoned to testify before Congress. But several White House aides were angered by the president's guest worker program, arguing that leaking was an American job that should be performed only by Americans. Several prominent leakers within the White House inner circle were considering strategies to combat the guest worker program, including organizing a leakers union in the White House that would be impossible for the illegal immigrants to join. But despite the complaints, one aide said that the president was unlikely to terminate his guest worker program anytime soon. He seems to like having other people around the White House who don't speak English as their first language. Elsewhere, American Idol signed up for six more seasons. 
confirming reports that appeared in the book of Revelation. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from the Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to borowitzreport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying, keep it fake, baby. Well, that's some heavy-duty news from Andy this week on the Advertising (laughs) Show. So there we go. Poor poor President Bush. Yeah, he's... uh, Having a tough time. Yeah, well... He has to have to worry about re-election. He'd have a tough time running for mayor of, I don't know. Katy, Texas. Katy, yeah. <laughs> no, he probably wouldn't. He'd probably win there. <laughs> I, I feel sorry for the man. Yeah. I really do. Well, they're talking about Hillary now for uh, for the next uh, Democratic uh, really? presidential. Yes. Hmm. Could you imagine that? Uh, she comes yeah. with some baggage, <laughs> I would say. What, Bill? Yes. <laughs> right. The first man. Yeah. Uh, how does that work? Todd Peters was fun to talk to today. Yeah. And a uh, good guy. Um, I'm going to go out and buy some office supplies right after the show. Are you really? Yeah, you know, just as a, a gift giver. I mean, as a, a gift, uh, what am I saying here? You mean like a little gift for like Stephanie at the I'm office? I'm thinking spiral notebook. Yeah? Maybe a big chief. Remember how about, about an a inkjet refill? Well, I, the pen and pencil set was last year, so that would only make sense. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. Good. And, you know, those stickums, the, uh, uh, what is it, the, you know. Uh, the, the whiteout? No, the, uh, that you put, uh, that you put paste on things, you know, the little, uh, yeah. what are they called? You know, the stickum, little note, note. Uh, oh, post-it notes. Post-it notes. Yes, I see. You know who created that, don't you? Who? 3M. There was a guy at 3M that was doing that on his own, and they really? observed him doing it, and they said, why don't we create this ourselves? It was many years ago, and it's been a big hit for him. Dang. That's called keeping an eye on the employees for good ideas. I don't know. Now, my dad, years ago, for TRW, mm-hmm. back when it was called, it was called Thompson Products, uh, invented a chalk dust collector machine that Crayola picked up. Wow. That's kind of cool. So that's why you've got so much money. Absolutely not. <laughs> Robert Wong. You can't go long with Robert. With Robert. Yes. Executive Creative Director at Arnold Worldwide, and if we probably say that to him, he'll come in and beat you up. Correct. So we'll uh, we'll not say that. We'll save it for uh, for right now. Uh, Robert Wong, Executive Creative Director, Arnold Worldwide, on next week's show. Do lots of great shopping. Advertising show brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. A big radio midgets production. <laughs>